on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the battles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. And welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We're here to excite, entertain, elucidate, and educate you with news, information, and exciting discussion about your favorite geeks. Thank you for having tuned in. Before we get to today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. So, today is Batman Day. This is the sixth year of the annual celebration of the legendary Caped Crusader. Make sure you check out some of the many Batman-themed events at thousands of comic book retailers, bookstores, schools, and libraries worldwide. There will be free comic book giveaways, exclusive deals, talent signings, and more. All to honor Gotham City's Dark Knight. For more information, you can visit the website at uh, DC Comics. So check that out. There's also a link on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page over at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. Uh, yeah. So, Peacock, the new streaming service from NBC Universal, will include several rebooted programs. Among them will be a new Battlestar Galactica produced by Sam Esmail. Esmail is best known as the writer-producer of Mr. Robot, and it turns out he's quite the Galactica fan. Esmail even went so far as to seek the blessing of Ronald Moore, who was the co-producer of the then Sci-Fi Channel's reboot of the Glenn Larson classic. More information on this story as it develops. Gary Larson's syndicated cartoon, The Far Side, may be returning in an online version. A change last week to Larson's website indicated that he may be considering reviving the popular single-panel strip, which ran from 1980 to 1995. Last weekend, the website, which had been static for years and maintained by syndicator Andrews McKeel Universal, McMeal Universal, okay, had some new material. That's the website it is. Uh, the homepage features an original drawing by Larson of a man in a parka using a blowtorch to free several well-known far-side characters from a block of ice. The caption beneath the drawing reads, and I quote, Uncommon, unreal, and soon-to-be unfrozen! A new online era of the far side is coming. Somewhat cryptic, I have no idea what that means. I suppose we'll find out. Historically, September was when all the new television programs debuted, so quite naturally, we have some anniversaries this week. September 18th marked the 55th anniversary of the premiere of Johnny Quest. And uh, if you're familiar with that cartoon, yeah, more power to you. Had a real jazzy jazz intro. September 18th, was 67 years since the debut of the first television series to feature the mighty man of steel, Krypton's last son, the man of tomorrow, yes, Superman. The Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves. And an anniversary of, his, of a historic event, 43 years ago, on September 17, 1976, NASA publicly unveiled the first of its fleet of space shuttle reusable low earth low earth orbital space let's try that again <clears throat> and an anniversary of a historic event 43 years ago on September 17 1976 NASA publicly unveiled the first of its fleet of space shuttle reusable low earth orbital spacecraft system vehicles it was named Enterprise in honor of the fictional starship from Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. And 
the Kubert School, formerly the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon and Graphic Art, which is located in Dover, New Jersey. Well, the Kubert School has a new owner. 2011 Kubert graduate Anthony Marquez has acquired the school from the Kubert family. Marquez has worked as an editor for DC and Dynamite Entertainment and currently runs Dewey's Comic City in Madison, New Jersey. Founded in 1976 by Joe and Muriel Kubert, the school grew to become one of the preeminent schools focused on comic book art. Following the death of Joe Kubert in 2012, his sons, Adam and Andy Kubert, assumed operations of the school. Among the notable graduates are Stephen R. Bissett, Amanda Connor, Lee Weeks, and Alex Maleev. So, on today's show, uh, we're talking about a variety of things. Uh, notably, a topic that apparently I appropriated inadvertently from uh, my... <laughs> you don't have a mic yet, Shireen. <laughs> Appropriate, appropriated inadvertently from Geek Girl Riot. So, uh, but fortunately, we are joined by Geek Girl Riot's Shireen Nicole, without whom there would be no show, and also Julian Lytle of Ignorant Bliss, creator of Ants. Uh, Glyph nominated all sorts of this, uh, so he's he's done a whole bunch of stuff. He's a real nice guy. So, thievery. <laughs> there you go. Now you got a mic, and you can accuse me of thievery. But you know what? If the shoe fits, <laughs> stick it up my black behind. <laughs> okay. No, I value my shoes. Oh. I want to keep them. Oh, I wash I wash my ass, Shereen. <laughs> I, that, that wasn't even a question, actually. More referring to the pristine <laughs> keeping Can't get of no my creases. shoes. Uh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and you, you certainly, if you were to put your foot up my behind, it certainly would get some creases on your shoes because, you know, my ass is tight. <laughs> so, wow, this, is, um, <laughs> this conversation seems. Disquieting to me. Well, maybe, maybe uh, we hey, on. look, you you started it by calling you call us thieves. I don't know what thieves had to do with your backside, but I did not start this. Ski mask. Way. Yeah, I mean. There you go. All right. Hey, look though. Um, one of the thing, and and this is of course where I was going with all of this, because. Um, the topic that uh, we well one of the topics we're going to be discussing today uh, is uh, the actually I, I don't even know exactly how to put it but there seems to be a broad correlation between disfigurement and criminality in comics and in movies and television uh, a un uncomfortable unhealthy correlation I might add. And uh, it's one of the good things about it being Batman Day, because Batman's rogues gallery is filled with people who have uh, a variety of uh, physical deformities and, uh, you know, Body other differences. Body differences. And disabilities. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. And I, I couldn't remember exactly how to phrase that in a... Uh, in a culturally sensitive way. Mm. All right, I'm gonna have to write that down. I'm sorry. So you say it's because uh, in in my day we always just said like physical deformities. All right, so your body differences. That would you say? That's what yeah. I would say. He's really writing this down, folks. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to put this to memory. Yeah, well, because it, it ain't sticking natural. And disabilities. Right. And disabilities. Mm-hmm. T-I-E-S. All right, and we can There's say... There's also facial differences. Facial differences. And and shout out to Aaron Holly, the geeky gimp, who first brought this up in reference to the character Dr. Poison as portrayed in the 2017 Wonder Woman film. Yes, yes. And we were talking a little bit about uh, about that Dr. Poison character, but there are, there are many, many of these 
characters yeah. uh, who are disfigured. I mean, some of whom, sorry, who have body differences and disabilities and facial differences. And some of them uh, inflicted these body differences or facial differences on themselves. Some of them had these inflicted on them. You know, one of the, but, but the psychology of this, uh, the psychology of the creators of this, um, because uh, you you notably have some characters that go against this and who, despite having body differences and disabilities and facial differences, are heroic characters. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about all of those things. But uh, since it is your topic, and, and see now, all right, in, in, in my own defense, I am going to say, I thought... Because I, I was in Shireen's company last week, and uh, as I was dropping her off, we were talking a little bit about this. But Shireen shared with me today that evidently this had been something that she had been considering for some time before that conversation. I, Since that was my first exposure to that particular topic, I had just naturally assumed that we had come up with that right there. Stop! A, stop, thief! <laughs> I get it. You just had a conversation. You was like, yo, Batman Day you coming up. You accuse us. You, know, you call us thieves. No, Mad yeah. Batman villains got, uh, you know, whatever that new terminology is. Yes. Uh, I see you can't remember it either. <laughs> I don't know if I can really agree. So I would say what that terminology is. But what would yes. you use? What terms would you use? Well, I think I think some people are actually disfigured because it's an act put upon them. Like, if I cut your face, I disfigured you. I had a purpose and a... And a and a want to do that to your face okay. so that where it fits. Yeah, as opposed to I created a facial oh facial See, trauma. I am gonna write that one. No, down I'm not calling it the trauma here. Uh, yeah, but if trauma. I break your arm, that's not trauma. I broke your arm. No, that is that's physical trauma versus mental trauma. Those I mean that's I a real it. thing. But can't you can't change all the terms. But all your the time. your body has a a, a a a physical reaction to physical trauma. Um, as your mind does sometimes to physical trauma and sometimes to mental trauma, your body reacts to both as well. But I get what you're saying. I, I think a, a really good thing that Yuli brought up as we were discussing this is um, I mentioned what Aaron had to say about the Dr. Poison character and the way that was used. Um, he brought up Dick Tracy, which I think is a really great one as far as Dick Tracy's rogues gallery. Definitely uses uh, disability as a um, as a villainous um, kind of signifier. Yeah, Chester Gould, who was the creator of Dick Tracy, clearly, clearly had some bias against people with body differences and disabilities because every single solitary person with some sort of body difference and disability, facial difference, is a villainous character in mm -hmm. Dick Tracy. Yeah. You know. I think that was a, his way of cartooning it so you could tell everybody apart. Hmm. It was bad, but it's easy, like prune face. Yeah, exactly. It's like a prune. Right. Yeah. Flat top. He is a flat top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. certain point. And, uh, and, and, he, and at that time, it's like, it's a, it's a thing that we talk about a lot, which is judging people by the knowledge that we have now as opposed to what they understood then. People didn't understand how terrible that was. Um, when Dick Tracy was being written. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Some people were aware and were sensitive, but a lot of human beings aren't sensitive until they're taught. And so I'm sure that he wasn't even aware. Well, I can't be sure of that. I take that back. But that bias may not have been something that was malicious. It may have been. It may not have been. Mm -hmm. It may just have been easy shorthand. And writers tend to like easy shorthand because of whatever the culture has set up as a visual cue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle. And we are talking about... Um, I see, there, 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 there he goes again. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't want to... I, I, we're talking about... Physical disabilities. Physical disabilities and the propensity of some writers and creators to use these physical disabilities as a means of 
identifying criminals. Now, we were just talking about Dick Tracy a moment ago, and I think Chester Gould went a step further because he suggested that these physical disabilities would naturally reflect some tendency towards criminality. And uh, now I think I happen to think that's dangerous, but mm-hmm. uh, the it raises the question: um, is um, is this a problem? I mean, because writers or creators tend to yeah, because we were just talking about um, and and Julian, you pointed this out, and I appreciate this from the artistic standpoint that it makes it easy to delineate the good guys from the bad guys for the readers. So uh, there's a practical reason behind this. Um, is this a negative that some writers have tended to do this? I mean, even though it is stereotyping of a sort. Shireen, what do you think? Oh, I was going to let Julian. Oh, I'm sorry. Julian, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I think uh, early on, uh, very much so because there's a there's a certain spit of making other uh, other people into the, the bad guy. So you even go back to like Dracula, and if you research Dracula, the way in which uh, Dracula is described and portrayed is more about like the immigration of Jews into Europe and mm. how they see them mm. versus anything to do with like actual vampirism and mm-hmm. this, that, and the third is is it's like it's was wild anti-Semitic. Well, the treatment th- of the Roma, yeah, yeah, which yeah. were then called gypsies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's a point, like, Dracula has got to a point where it's like, nah, it's, it's just a va- Like, vampires has been turned and recontextualized and changed so many different things. But, like, I guess when you get into, like, superheroes, early on with the comics or comic strips and then the, the comic books, I think a lot of it literally has to do with easy cartooning to delineate. Then mm. you get into like the 60s and I guess you could say the Marvel age which is trying to then like give pathos to the bad guy and to the heroes because mm. you have things like you know the thing looks like a bad guy but he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, we talked mm. about the that. The Hulk too. looks like a good it looks like a bad well he, he's treated and looks like a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. But he is our protagonist. Osmandias. Mm. Oh, and like, uh, later on, yeah, the later reverse. On. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you get to like the 80s, mm. and all the As prettiest ladies. people mm. are, in fact, the monsters. Mm. Yeah. And the mm. ugly people are like Rorschach. Yeah. With quote unquote, he's, he's not attractive. He is the most, I guess, the closest we have to a moral protagonist within life. Yeah. He is the noble one. Yeah. Of yeah. The group. And that's what we were talking about. The And yes, it is bad. It is bad because no people, just like us, the three of us in the booth today are black. Nobody wants to be consistently and erroneously and damagingly portrayed as the villain. We've suffered that. The disabled community has suffered that. The mental illness community has suffered that. The LGBTQ community has suffered that. Sometimes we've suffered it all at once with a character like Scar. Um, (laughs) who is both black and appears to be queer, right? So nobody wants to to have the world see them as villainous simply because of of any trait, right? So yes, it's a bad thing, Hmm. um, no question in my mind. But getting back to what Julian said, uh, it's so prevalent, right? The ideology that uh, disability body differences, facial trauma, whatever you would like to call them respectfully, because we always use respectful language. It is um, that that equation is so prevalent that writers then began to be able to use it to break tight, Quasimodo, right? Yeah, exactly. The the, the elephant man, uh, um, dark man. um, Mask, the The movie mask with the... the Cher's son was like, yes, yeah. He had he had I can't remember the the condition, but he had a specific condition, and so we then began to use that. It was so prevalent that it can be used to break type to great effect, and to say this character is not what you expect. This character may eat beans out of a can and be really really inept socially, but he's Rorschach and he cares about humanity. So you know. 
that's how prevalent that trope was and that's how and which made it really powerful when it got broken but in its conception it's still a very bad thing mm-hmm. i hope i made sense yeah even yeah, orion and new gods uh you gotta think a big turn yeah. within that story is when he shows his true face yeah that the well, mother battle stars come back or whatever, like, yeah. i don't even know it's actually like he looks like his he looks like his father yeah mm-hmm. his real father yeah and mm-hmm. the mother box like in like a maternalistic way hides his true face from the rest of the new gods and new genesis so that they don't know so he can live as among them so he can because he does you know he, at that point in the story he doesn't he's not true with himself you know, he hasn't accepted you know his actual origin mm-hmm. but mm. you know that that is you know that's a lot right there yeah, no, I hear you. And especially, you know, that Jack Kirby Fourth World stuff, that was that was some great stuff. I mean, now I was confused about Orion because, uh, I mean, it, when I was a kid, there was a friend of mine who was reading The New Gods, and what he referred to was, oh, Orion's battle scars would come back, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and I saw an issue where he was, uh, but of course I knew this was Dark Side's son, and so I had wondered, wow, okay, wait a minute, <laughs> he looks like the other gods of New Genesis, what gives? And so, you he know, looked now, like Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but now to find out that oh, the mother box was doing something fishy. The you mother know, box looks like, out. Wow. Yeah, you always gotta have a good mother box in your pocket. That's how you, you know, <laughs> stay safe. <laughs> but what you don't want is a granny. <laughs> you certainly not in not in the fourth world. And that takes yeah. away type two. It takes it takes like your idea of a loving, supportive old mm. maternal grandmother. Mm-hmm. But nah, yo, she on some BDSM stuff. She gonna just whoop you. <laughs> she gonna put you all types of crazy stuff as like mm. good stuff. And then if you do bad, it's even right. it's the real evil come out. Yeah, Kirby had some fun with all of that. Yo, he, he was did. he was telling he was he played against type all the know, time. He's he a really brilliant dude. He mixed the mm-hmm. Bible mm-hmm. with some some Norse some, in there with some, some science, <laughs> a little Greek in there, put a little Egy- Egyptian in there, mm-hmm. stir fry. Mm-hmm. He did indeed. Well, and even the way he lampooned some of the Marvel staff. You Marvel know? staff? Well, just one man. Marvel staff? Or well, two well, two, well, there was two of you, I was going to say. Okay, so <laughs> it's petty. Make it make was it funky Flash Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the funky Flash Man with Stan Lee. You know, Cookie. this, uh, yeah. And uh, what, what, what was uh, what was the Roy Thomas character? Because that was even worse uh, almost. Like Lackey or something. Nah, it's, it's something with Roy in it. House Roy. House Roy! That's oh, right. damn. <laughs> yeah, really? Yes. I didn't know that. It's lit. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. Kirby is not a man you mess with. He yeah. will punch a Nazi and he will harpoon <laughs> you. Clearly. I was getting ready to say just that. Kirby had a lot of stuff. Cause you take Dr. Doom, it's like you got two different ideas, right? Is his face completely scarred? Or is he just a pretty guy with like a slight mark on his face? And he just says, why he has his face? Because his vanity is so off the charts. There's like even one, one mere mark. I am. I am not at my. Oh, I can't. You can't see my face. But yeah. that goes back to scarring as a signifier of villainy. Yeah. Well, and even further, because you know, that Doctor Doom thing, uh, John Byrne, when he was writing the Fantastic Four, he laid that out because yeah, yeah. you know the the way he depicted it. I mean, one always assumed, as far as the Fantastic Four storyline, that uh, Doom's face was ruined. In that attempt in college to contact the neither world, mm-hmm. you know where yeah, yeah. yeah. They also say this one time when he put the mask on, he burned his face. Well, and that's where I was it going was with like, that because it burn uh, qualified all of it, and to where uh, at the accident in college, it was just a little mark, you know. And he's my face, I'm ruined, I'm ugly, you know. And it's like, damn, yeah, dude, that's like just one little mark. But then. And it was, again, the beautiful writing and uh, of Stan Lee and the art of Jack Kirby. Um, when he went to be with the monks and learn, you know, about mysticism and all that other stuff, and they made the armor for him, they brought that mask out, and it was like, but bring the mask. But, Master, it has not yet cooled. Cool. Yeah, they're like, yeah, dude, dude, bring it, <laughs> because he's not going to wait. And he puts this hot mask on his face. Hot metal mask, and th- and one has to assume that that really messed him up after that. <laughs> yeah. So, but the man as far in the iron mask. As, yeah, but as far as he was concerned, because of his great vanity, his face was ruined from when it got the slightest mark on it. Mm. So to doom, 
it made little difference that he had, you know, Sorry chosen ruined. to ruin his. Yeah, well, and and that was something that I was going to mention also because you have some characters that have, um, in terms of how they uh, how they get these how they get these physical deformities, and um, you know, some of them, like you said, oh, I am going to do this to you. And then others, it's like, oh, well, I might have been born like this. A Dr. Doom, he does it to himself. You know, this is like, wow. You know, I mean, another character and one of my, the one who has my vote for the most evil character of all time, even though it's a relatively uh, recent uh, character, but is uh, Lord Voldemort from the Harry Potter stories. Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you what, I that whole... I'm going to split my soul into seven pieces. I, I was done when I heard that. I'm like, yeah, there you go. You're evil. <laughs> it's oh, like, word? Yeah. I thought that was cold. I was like, I want to try that. <laughs> like, that's a good way of coming back. <laughs> well, you know, the fact that uh, you I have always had an affinity <laughs> for the Night King, I shouldn't be surprised. Night King's that, a hero. That's a, that's a classic, like, fae storytelling trope is the idea of hiding... Your soul, um, Neil Gaiman, um, funnily enough, in relation to Harry Potter, hmm. uses that quite a lot. He had um, Tim Hunter and the other, uh, Tim Hunter hid his magic in, I think it was a Coke bottle, actually. Hmm. Um, and then um, the Marquise de Carabas had hidden uh, his soul in a robin's egg. Um, and, and this happens a lot through... Um, kind of fey fantasy writing where one's mm -hmm. soul is hidden in various places or in various receptacles to protect it. So in that, J.K. Rowling picked up on classic literature as she often does. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and also Voldemort fits that whole um, uh, body differences and disabilities, facial differences. Yeah, because yeah. of what he tried to do to the Potters, and and when the motherly love acted as a reflection mm -hmm. and sent his wicked, evil spell back at him, mm. it reduced him to what some people believe is the snake inside. Because some people believe that Nagini is um, in the books is actually his mother. Hmm. Hmm. Um, has anybody asked Rowling about that? Well, I don't know if anyone has. But She's going on a Twitter tirade, tirade about that. Yet. We, I don't know. I don't. I don't like follow her. I just pick her up sometimes. Mm -hmm. But some people have pointed out to the fact that he subsisted on Nagini's milk mm. when he was recovering, and mm. and who but a mother or a mother figure would you do that with? Um, which which gets into some whole other stuff. Um, some whole mm -hmm. other type of enslavement type issues that we can't we, we can but it's a, that's a whole nother show but yeah um, definitely um, this idea that uh, any kind of facial difference or disability is one's evil reflected back on them you could look at Dr. Glass um, and, Red Skull yeah Red Skull and 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 that that trope comes up again and again Mm -hmm. You know, and while you were talking, um, uh, somebody, because of the uh, instance with um, D Tom Riddle, <laughs> I'll call him, yeah. and the Potters, uh, I thought about um, Emperor Palpatine, or Senator Palpatine, Indeed. as case may be, uh, when he was deformed as a result of his own power blast sort of bouncing back on him in the fight with Mace Windu mm -hmm. yes. and uh, becoming deformed, you know, so that the outside kind of now matched the inside, you know, the inner evil with this guy. Even Vader himself. Mm -hmm. He becomes Vader after he loses his legs, after, you know. After he falls into you know. the, yeah. The, mm -hmm. the, the, what is it, you, the river I loved fire? you, Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> you was the best of us. Yo, oh man, you and McGregor was out here. He's saving that movie. He was like, it's over now. I have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, just like uh, Darth Maul had the high ground man, against him. <laughs> one of the great wastes of all time was the, the bisection right. of, yeah, they did they make it right. right. Thank goodness. Well, and, and Darth Maul is another one of those characters. You know, he's got the horns he coming out like of his demon. head he's just made to look evil stuff he's yeah, just a straight you know? demon yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and so so that is that's problematic you know yeah it is you know and uh, and we're going to talk more about that in the second half of the show of course that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break fantastic forum comes to you 
via WERA 96.7 FM. We are, of course, community radio. And people ask me all the time, they say, Yuli, what does that mean? Well, among other things, it means that we are non-commercial. Uh, it also means that we are supported by the public. In fact, we have a fall fun drive that is coming up. It starts basically next week. Visit arlingtonmedia.org. Show your support and donate today. Tell them Yuli Campbell sent you. Anyway, look, um, we're going to step aside for a moment while we acknowledge uh, some of our underwriters. I'm also going to take the opportunity to promote some of the other fine WERA shows coming up later today. But you stick around because there's more fantastic forum yet to come. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle. And you couldn't be joined by two better people for a more wonderful discussion about disfigured villains and how writers keep insisting on making people with physical deformities, body differences, disabilities, facial differences, facial trauma, making them into villains. Good gracious. Now, one of the things uh, is, and I had I had made a note here, and I'm trying to figure out this note, because I've got expectations based on consistency of trope, mm-hmm. um, you know, which uh, my knee jerk for that is, because um, we were talking a little bit about some of this, and we really... Because uh, it runs the gamut, basically. But again, troubling that uh, automatically physical deformity uh, is is like a code for somebody who's going to be villainous. Uh, now, you had mentioned some uh, notable exceptions to this. Uh, Dark Man was one. Um, you also mentioned Quasimodo. Uh, I'm reminded of, uh, because you had talked about Scar, who is the other way, you know, but... Uh, uh, a but Disney, also scarred. yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had it, it had been lost on me that he was of a darker shade than mm-hmm. his other yeah, black lion. Hair, but darker, yeah, he's darker shade. I was like, he was oh, skinnier, man. he was thinner. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, he walked with a little switch. And he was British, which is code for like effeminate (laughs) and evil. British is code for (laughs) yeah. So there you have it. Yeah, he's either sophisticated or evil. Yeah. Yeah. Now now you know. Sometimes both. You know. All right, and this is a a total aside here. You remember Lennox Lewis? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Yeah, heavyweight uh, boxing uh, champion was British. Well, I remember um, there was Lennox Lewis was it was it like some Mike Tyson fight or something. And uh, but Lennox Lewis wasn't there, but he was talking to one of the commentators uh, remotely, and somebody who started asking Lennox Lewis, "Oh, you know, Lennox, what about fighting?" I think I don't even know that the fight was with uh, Mike Tyson at the time. I think it was Evander Holyfield, mm-hmm. and then um, Evander Holyfield messed up, and <laughs> somebody messed up. And mess the whole fight up, you know, because it's like, oh, now y'all can't fight because this person isn't a good contender anymore. But um, uh, anyway, long story short, uh, somebody comes to Lennox Lewis and they're like, oh, do you want to fight like so-and-so? And he's like, bring it on, <laughs> whatever. And I was cracking up because it just didn't sound tough because he had a British accent. I mean, intellectually, I knew this was a big old dude. I didn't want to square up with him. But he just, with that British accent, is well, bring it on then. That's, <laughs> a, like, that's a thing, though, with American, well, like I can say, with the black community, like, think think about, you know, the whole debate with, like, British black people playing certain people or even, like, mm-hmm. the nature of, like, the Grimes, the, the, their version of rap music. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even, for the most part, think that like yo they got projects over there. They yes, sell they're drugs. Council yes, estates. they got oh, yes. guns, mm-hmm. but they don't have as many guns because you know they got gun laws. Yes, um, <laughs> but like things happen. They're not just some. They're not weak just because they sound like what you think is polish. Uh, yeah, like nah, mm. over there that's just. Yeah, everybody you know, sounds like it. That. Just when people mm. heard it, just Elvis well, talk. No, people they, was like. What? He's the, not from Baltimore? But, but the, the crazy thing is, is uh, not crazy, excuse me, the wild thing is, 
that Americans think that all British accents are first of all Cockney, which is well, weird. Well, of course they're not. But, yeah. the, but, but we're also very unsophisticated that all here. British yeah. accents are posh. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my good friend, the the, the novelist Courtney Newland. Um, and course was like, you know, my accent's really not that nice. And I was like, yes, I know this. <laughs> but Americans don't. They'll sound fancy. They, they, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they sound fancy. Yeah, there like, you go. Then people are like, oh my gosh, speak some more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it's really funny because you'll have what's really quite a rough accent that in, in the UK would be, you know, you get Lower discriminated class, against. Yeah. Well, but in bit, America, well, yeah, but in America, you, they're like, oh, what Michelin star restaurant? <laughs> you want some caviar and champagne? <laughs> <laughs> because it's really, it, 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 the pump, and, and what we're really talking about are stereotypes and cliches that are shorthand for writers, whether visually, as Julian was talking about, mm. or um, writerly, I don't know if that's a word, but as I was speaking about, is that these things become entrenched because you see them so often that it it just these become visual and and um, and character cues. Mm-hmm. I talked about it in a piece that I wrote uh, for Ebert.com mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. "Black Women Save the World Again." Mm. Oh wait, was that the where everybody is? Um Oh, good gracious. And now I can't think of her name. The Omega Man. The Omega Man, um, Lisa. Lisa, thank you. Yeah. Every, yeah, the, yeah. the descendants was, of Lisa. I call them that, Lisa's Brew. There you go. That was a pretty good piece. Thank you I very appreciated much. that, yeah. And yeah. so I talked about that the, the whole ideology of black women saving the world during an apocalypse or being a major figure in the mm-hmm. apocalypse through a variety of examples has become such shorthand now that you have post-apocalyptic y, um, YA books being um, adapted, and the white girl in the book becomes the black girl in the movie or the television oh, show. Ha, ha, ha. Because it has become such a major trope that it has become shorthand. This special black girl's going to save your world. Well, there's That's so much amazing. subconscious stuff in that. Like, so much. Like, yo, like, yo, white girls can't survive. They can't handle this. But, they can't handle this struggle. But that the burden of it's saving. Is all right, mm. it, yeah, and, and I, I, I break it down in that piece going back to the Omega Man and the role of of, of the great, uh, oh gosh, Ro- Rosalind Cash. Cash. Yep. The great mm-hmm. Rosalind Cash in that role. Um, as And so there you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and of course, Omega Man is uh, one of my <laughs> it's one of my favorite films, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, so and I so I, I appreciated uh, that that bit. Anyway, though, um, part of where I was going uh, with this expectations based on consistency of the trope, um, we've seen characters who are well, okay, uh, the one that comes to mind, and I'm thinking specifically of the 1989 uh, Tim Burton Batman yes. because. Uh, Jack Napier, uh, you know, who became the Joker, was a bad guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, but then he suffered this disfigurement, His and he was worse. His <laughs> was visited upon him physically. That's what yes. we're talking about again that, and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. So at least, you know, this isn't somebody who was okay until they, you know, but there have been examples of that, too. They're, the dude is okay, and then he gets messed up. And then he's really bad. Oh, damn, now look at you, you know? I mean, so. I like the way um, that many anime series... Actually, uh, they took great, great care into fleshing out these origins for these Batman rogues versus what I grew up. Because, you know, I was a kid, like, I read old Batman comics. They put out the book, The Greatest Batman Stories Ever Told. You know, those big trades you put out before yeah. trades was the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, I'm seeing the origin of Two-Face and all this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know why he's bad. But then you watch the animated series version. Mm-hmm. First of all, you already got three or four episodes of Harvey Dent just being a background character with yes. Bruce Wayne just like yes. being Bruce good, Tim. living good, and then he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, he he go to therapy? He got a he got personality like he got the scar from the explosion and he was like, Oh, oh, I like how they did this. They this, set up that he already Yeah, he like, had some issues. The astral space yeah. didn't just make him evil. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like he already had some underlying issues right. that 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 trauma and see I think that really worked with that trauma really was like he had a straight up and down it was a trigger split like yes. yeah. now you got two of them you gotta flip coins mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. Clayface when they when they did it he was the actor yeah and like he did he used the stuff too much he was he was in stuff and then like now he's not he's like he can't 
be regular. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, oh, it was great. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Mr. I was Freeze. watching. Oh, that, that's another one. But they did a beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. I Please. was just going to mm-hmm. say that they did a beautiful job with that, you know, um, fist bump to Bruce Tim, but it's still. And Ali Burnett and, and, and everybody else. Yeah. Paul Dini. Paul Dini. I forgot about Paul Dini. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But um, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how I forgot about Paul Dini. That seems odd. But um, it's still the same problem. It's beautifully written, right? Yeah. And, and, and much credit due for that. But, like. Right <laughs> the back. fact that they've done it, yeah, yeah. Is, is the thing. Yeah, but at which, least which I'm not blaming them for. It's like it's entrenched in the in the yeah. in the writing and it's in code. The, it's these characters themselves. I don't think they was able to get out of that till you get to like Batman Beyond, where mm-hmm. you have to make all new bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and even and then and they had. Oh yeah, no, I was gonna say and they largely did and, the same kind of thing. Yeah, they just went to splicing and and, 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 yeah, yeah. and body mod. Yeah, at that yeah. point, they're just all Spider-Man villains, but that's a different story. <laughs> well, aren't they all Spider-Man villains? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, and, you know, Spider-Man did it, too, in some cases. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about... Well, okay, but I, I actually... Sandman, you, yeah, but... Well, you're Sandman. I was thinking about Dr. Octopus, you know, because he's one yeah. who got that stuff on him, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now I'm now I'm evil. <laughs> it's also, but, like, the main bad guy is, mm-hmm. like, the Osbournes. Oh, <laughs> You have gracious. no idea. They well, look the same. He put on that good mask, and he put on you know that that wave cap. So you know he's a wave stable. W- right. Well, you if you want to go to ultimate, now that they really got twisted. And in see, there, that bothered too. me because he became a monster. Mm-hmm. See, I think that, that goes into the trope, which the old one didn't like. Norman Osborn's Norman Osborn's just trash. You know what? And that's a good point, Julian. Norman Osborn donned a mask for himself that reflected. Who he was inside. That's genius. Batman. That's not about. <laughs> you yeah. know, yes, exactly. That's mm. not about physicality. That is about choice. And mm. it, it has the same effect as some of these others that we've named, except that it is clean from the problematic portion. And then mm. Harry, Harry takes up the mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And know? the mantle. Like, well, I'm, but you know, and they're also baby. against the type because. They're good-looking guys. But that's the point. Mm-hmm. They get it done. What mm-hmm. what happens with the goblins, the Osborns, mm-hmm. is that they get the same effect as a Two-Face, as a Clayface, but by choice. And the reflection that they see is themselves. In the mask. In yeah. the mask, not about somebody being mistaken for evil because of some, uh, because of some part of their physicality. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. That's a good one. Thank you for that. (laughs) You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle. And we are talking about, well, we're talking about comic books. We're talking about science fiction. We're talking about the proclivity of uh, writers to uh, fall back on the use of body differences and disabilities, facial trauma, facial differences, as a means of identifying characters who are evil. Now, Shireen, mm-hmm. yes, what were you going to no, Well, I was, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. wait, because it kind of goes on another topic. But oh, okay. Well, I was going to ask you, because we had started uh, talking about Dr. Poison. Yeah. from uh, the Wonder Woman movie. And there were some wonderful insight, because you got all deep talking about Dr. Poison. And we were talking about this last week, because there were a bunch of elements of Dr. Poison. Uh, I- I- elaborate on that a little bit. Well, I think that th- that some of the parts of it and, and talking to Aaron really made me recognize some of it. There's a, a thing that Patty Jenkins, the director, does with Dr. Poison with that articulated mask. Whereas she's being broken down mentally, the mask starts to open up. Oh yeah, there and at the beneath end. the mask, yeah. you mm-hmm. see the facial trauma. And I thought, oh, this is brilliant filmmaking. But when you look at it from the standpoint of it's it, it, it's the discriminatory discriminatory standpoint, what it's really about is um, is again equating the disability with weakness. Or um, or instability, right? Then there's another moment where they have Steve Trevor um, call her a piteous creature, 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a brilliant doctor, right? But he's calling her a piteous creature. There's so much layered in there. But there's, you guys, I know you love Wonder Woman, but there is so much racism just built into the structure of Wonder <laughs> Woman that it is just appalling. It is. Um, you're, you're, you're right. Um, the, the erasure of characters, the the stereotyping of characters, uh, the the villainization of disability, it just it's stacked. Blah, 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 blah. Even the ridiculous notion, as my good friend Philip Jean-Pierre likes to say, that Greeks don't know nothing about marriage. <laughs> that don't even sound right. That's silly. But what I was going to say is the funny thing that um, where the, the trope is flipped is in science fiction, where oftentimes the people with the body differences are heroes. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. It is general, and it's flipped to turn audiences on their heads because, in fact, with great consistency, the aliens, you know, these people with these real unusual appearances. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember uh, in... um, the last Starfighter mm, character, Grig. Love it. You know, love and Grig is coming down on the elevator, and what did he do? He's like, "A monster!" And like, Come on, Granny, that's my friend. What are you talking about? That's Grig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about Alienation. That was my movie. I love Alienation. <laughs> that just came mm. out like 30 years too early. It really <laughs> did. That movie was great. But other one, what was the one with Lou Gossett and? Uh, oh, Enemy Mine. Enemy Mine. Yeah. That was another one because they got deep in that one. I mean, you know, they got so tied up uh, with all that stuff, man. That was like, ooh. I mean, you know, to the point where the the he was actually father to these alien babies. You know, one. For his, yeah, the, the, for this boy had the baby and he yep. had to take the baby back. He was like, well, excuse me, maybe stepfather or godfather yeah. or something. But like all that too mm. is like, look at my man Robocop. You know? Yes. Mm. He's, a, he's, a, he's written like as a Christ figure. But like he's a hero. Like my man Alex Murphy. Yo. He is a violent hero. You know, he, he, does yeah. what he, he does what he needs. Like, you know, he, he's mm-hmm. put in this situation. He's a savior. Everybody else is trash. Uh, all the execs in, in uh, OCP, yeah. terrible people. Mm-hmm. Um, all the quote unquote Boddicker and all them, terrible people. Yeah, a lot the, of the, the cops, the, the co- many of the cops. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. A lot right. of the cops, except for yeah. except for um, Lewis. Well, and the Sarge was okay so, for the most. He don't get enough of Sarge, but he's though he's <laughs> beyond level. He's in the middle. Who knows? But the other cops, <laughs> yeah. but Lewis. That's that's the homie, you know. But yeah. it's like, you know, Alex Murphy got to go out there, find about his past, see his wife. Le- but he got he got to save the city. Yeah, like Jesus. But going back mm. to what you said about um, alienation, I would love to see that come back. People out here rebooting mm. everything, and it was like you got that's, something that didn't. It had a movie and a TV show. And I watched every episode. I, I would like, I would be there, I would be there for like, that. Why Why is this not on stream service? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and they got real deep with alienation too. Ooh, I with mean, the cops and the way they, the, where the people lived, and the, you know what I'm saying? They yeah. couldn't live. You well, moving well, in, you dealing with justification <laughs> and, the, yeah. and, and white flight and everything. Moving into the neighborhood, like, yes, hiding out in houses and people's basements. The projects and stuff. Oh, man, come on, <laughs> underground railroad type business. This was like yeah. what 89, 90. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. And freaking James Con <laughs> when he was still kind of halfway young was in that movie. It was like and Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin. One of his earliest roles. I want to say. Then the show, yeah. the show got even deeper. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. good stuff. That's mm. it was really good stuff. You <laughs> never Fre- made it with one of us before. <laughs> it was like, also, oh Freddy Krueger. If you think of my horror movies, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying Freddy Krueger as the person in the story is a good person, but I don't know if he was actually ever actually convicted of pedophilia, or if it was just something the people oh, an accusation. The people mm. just burned him alive, right? And, and he's like, and as a, I'm going to kill your children. He was. I don't. I think originally, because you know, I don't watch horror movies, so I'm told about horror movies. But I think originally he wasn't guilty, but when they burned him alive, his soul became basically a vengeance demon. Yeah, yeah. He made a deal with the demons. Yeah. The, the actual origin wasn't told until the first episode of uh, Nine on Elm Street, the series. Is that Nine right? Hmm. It is the best episode of the whole dang one. Okay, but yeah, so he, he <laughs> so he, but so Freddy Krueger is in essence a vengeance demon, and the, and the and cop, there you the, go. the main guy, my man from um, End of the Dragon, mm-hmm. you know, 
Jillian doing kung fu moves. <laughs> That's why he targeted, you know, his his daughter and all her friends. It's like y'all burnt me up. Yeah, I ain't do nothing mm. to y'all kids. Unjustly. And then that's why he got the scars and all that. Stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, a couple of characters that I had wanted to mention before we uh, got out of here. Ghost Rider is one, you know, because he's one of those breaks the trope. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, basically you're a you're a burning skull. But Johnny Blaze, and I'm again original Ghost Rider. I don't know nothing about these other ones. But Johnny Blaze, not a bad guy. Made a deal with the devil in an effort to try and save Roxy Simpson's father. Didn't work out. Of course, the devil is going to screw you over, you know. But also, uh, The Crow, Brandon Lee. Uh, Well, in the movie, I mean, as opposed to the comic. Mm -hmm. You know, here was somebody else who, I mean, dead guy coming back. You can't kill him. uh, You know, got the... Freaky face paint cool, on though. and stuff. Yes, he did look real oh, cool. he looked he looked yeah. exceptionally cool. That's why the wrestling mm-hmm. Sting took that back. We had to re- redo his character to become, as we call him, Crow Sting. <laughs> we fight the NWO, <laughs> and we never got Rainbow Sting again ever again. <laughs> Damn, I miss Rainbow Sting. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys, shoot! Yeah, I know about everything. I know about wrestling too. We can get it. Oh my goodness, <laughs> who's the bad guy? Who's the heel? And who's the face? Mm-hmm. People look one way in the 80s versus now. Mm, yeah. Well, I tell you what, this, um, I, I have really, really loved this discussion. And um, I uh, I hope that, because it, it, and there was even more to it. I know, Shireen, you held back a little bit because, hey, it's going to be on Geek Girl Riot, right? You That's know, right. There I was got it. shows to do. <laughs> well, I can only hope that maybe I might get invited when the time comes to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I hold in my breath. But look, um, if you are interested in either uh, Shireen or Julian, because both of them are involved in a lot of cool stuff, um, uh, Julian, where can people follow you? I know you got Ignorant Bliss. Where yeah, ignorant-bliss.com is how you can uh, find the website for my podcast or go to any uh, podcast catcher site, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just type in Ignorant Bliss. You can find me on social media, Julian Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E, on everything. And, um, yeah, that's that's the easiest way to follow me on social media. There you go. And, uh, Shireen, what if people are interested in finding out about you? How can they do that? Um, you can, yeah, you can Google me. I've got some writing projects coming up that will be released. Uh, Shireen Nicole. You can also look for Geek Girl Riot. And um, you type that in, and you'll find the show, and you'll find uh, ways to contact me, and also Julian, too, and uh, also on Adobe.com, I-D-O-B-I. There you go. All right. And, of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. If you happen to be in the Arlington, Virginia area, you can still check us out on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Fios Channel 38, and... If you miss any portion of the radio version of the show, it re-airs each and every Thursday at 3 p.m. So check that out. And, of course, uh, we'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat station, but I hope you decide to check out the website, fantasticforum.tv. We have episodes of the show, uh, both the radio show, TV show. We have segments broken out. All kinds of wonderful, fun stuff. Anyway... Stay tuned for Ethio Diaspora because she's in the house this week. Have a great day, people.